Blade Runner, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, Tron, Conan the Barbarian, Poltergeist, John Carpenter's The Thing, and Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And what do all these movies have in common? Well, you know, they all came out in 1982. And for the past four decades, we've been watching these movies over and over again. But as we are about to discover, watching them was only the beginning. My name is Scott Mance, and I'm a film critic or as I like to call it, a film enthusiast. I'm a fan, and I am so excited to announce the start of a campaign so we can start filming a documentary called 1982 Greatest Geek Gear Ever. We're going to be bringing you an in-depth, fascinating, and totally gonzo look at the greatest geek gear ever. 1982. We're going to be traveling the globe, interviewing the stars, the filmmakers, and the super fans. So support us and help us by going to our Indiegogo campaign. And as an incentive, I hope you'll check out some of the great backers rewards so you can help us get to the finish line and we can all party like it's 1982. If you're a fan of Inglorious Trexperts, but just don't want to hear all that Star Trek all the time. Uh, listen to us on the 4.30 movie. It's another podcast uh, available on Electric Now. If you're a fan of the 4.30 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Docterman. And we are the Inglorious. Trexperts. And at the end of the universe <laughs> lies the beginning of the Wrath of Khan CD. <laughs> the Wrath of Khan. It's Wrong. a new Khan. double disc set from La La Land Records, uh, produced and mixed by Neil Bulk and Mike Medicino uh, for La La Land. And it's a doozy. It's really good. Sounds great. At the, edge, at the edge of the universe, a battle has begun, a battle between good and evil, between a warrior and a madman, between the awesome power of the Starship Enterprise and the wrath of Kong. Wow, I'm impressed. 
I, I can't remember what I had for lunch today. And you're quoting <laughs> freaking uh, uh, TV uh, trailers and commercials from uh, 40 years ago, 1982. That's a, it's a, it's a malady. So don't. Uh, it's don't a malady. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're going to bring on uh, in just a second. We're going to bring on Neil Balk uh, to talk about it. But again, a lot of you are probably wondering like, well, didn't I buy this before? Did, haven't I bought it again and again? Well, you're going to want to buy it again. And and we say this not just because we're a fan of uh, the boys at La Land Records, but um, this is really spectacular. I've been listening to this nonstop since I got it. Uh, I know Darren has it and, and loves it as well. Don't you, Darren? I and, do. Uh, <laughs> and I have to say, I, you know, I garnered an even greater appreciation for the score of the years because, as, as you'll hear me say to Neil, when the Atlantic Records album came out, there were a couple of tracks I really loved, like, Kirk's explosive reply and battle in the mature Matera nebula. But um, there are a lot of tracks that were sort of like uh, oral wallpaper that I would, you know, yeah. the set, the eel stuff and everything, but there was so much music that wasn't on that. Right. And, and when you listen to this, you'll realize that this is a pretty spectacular score scored by James Horner. If I wanted to listen to the full score of Star Trek two, I'd have to listen to battle beyond the stars. That's so. Right. <laughs> I, 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 so instead now I can have the whole score and it sounds phenomenal. It, it have, actually made, no, go, go ahead. ahead. I, I said, it actually so made me lovely. I have so many lovely memories of the original album. Uh, cause I made it, I made a cassette of it. And of course, in June of 1982, when it came out, um, I was, uh, you know, mowing our lawn every couple of weeks. And I, I had just gotten a little cassette player and I would listen to the Star Trek II score while mowing the lawn in uh, horribly hot Chicago weather. And it is one of the best memories I've ever had uh, of listening to a soundtrack. Oh, that's nice. Well, I, I have to say that original CD they did of the LP was terrible. The Atlantic Records put out. It yeah, was very well, early, in the early, early days. Early, early 90s. Yeah. It was it was terrible, and then and then you know later on there was um, La Land did a couple of which are which were really quite good. That's why yeah. you're thinking, you know, yeah. Why, is there anything why, more? Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, but, now, and, but you'll, there you'll is be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and there's great liner notes as well. So I mean, you know, I think that uh, uh, people are going to be very excited. Film music fans. I know our, our, our regular listener, the great uh, Kevin Rhodes, particularly, who's a conductor and composer, uh, who's a fan of the show. I think you, you dig it the most. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really excited to have a chance to talk to Neil. So without any further ado, let's bring Neil in and, and talk about uh, Jamie Horner's score for Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And here we are joined by uh, Neil Balt, the producer with Mike Mattesino of La La Land. Spectacular, spectacular Wrath of Khan reissue. I shouldn't even call it a reissue. It, 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 it almost is. It feels like a new, like we've never heard it before. Here it is right it's a here. A new thing altogether. Uh, it, uh, and we can't see it from the reflection, but uh, it's a beautiful, it. it's a beautiful thing. It's Take my word for it. It's a beautiful thing. And even if it wasn't an interface. It would look really cool. Um, so listen, uh, Neil, you know, it's interesting because we all, you know, uh, sing the praises and deservedly so of uh, Jerry Goldsmith and Star Trek The Motion Picture and what a brilliant score it is. And I feel maybe that Khan sometimes gets lost because of our great 
unabiding love for for um, motion picture. But uh, I remember buying that Atlantic Records LP back in 1982 and how exciting it was to have a new Star Trek score. But that was really only a uh, a glimmer of, of, of the majesty of the score, which has finally been done justice in this new release. It was of, the space uh, seed that led to the crop that we have that's reaped right. today. Very good. We watered that space seed. And uh, that that life, we said it would be interesting to see what sprung from that. Well, we finally found out. So, Tell us about the journey from then to here. Exactly. The various iterations, because, you know, you see a lot on the Internet about, oh, but they put out an expanded version two years ago. Why should I buy the new version? So just take us through um, the evolution from Atlantic Records to where we are today. Well, it, it's interesting. For the, the first thing you said is you you got the soundtrack in 1982. And I can remember the never finding Star Trek II in stores. Um, I, I, my dad is a big record collector, and we used to go record shopping all the time. And I would go, I would go straight to the soundtrack section, straight to the S, and flip through the records. And I, you, they, I never found Star Trek II. I remember the ads for it in Starlog, but yeah. I never ordered it from Starlog. I was a kid. I didn't get that record until uh, like uh, 1991. Uh, a friend of my dad found it in a used record store. And, and so I got into the Trek Two score very late. I mean, I knew I knew the movie, obviously, and I knew it from the film. And so that was, you know, that was I couldn't believe it when I got that record. You know, it, it had a stamp on it said it was a promo, but I didn't care. It was like it was Star Trek Two, and and it was wonderful. And for many years, that's all we had. Uh, this this album program that came out in '82 uh, and then was issued on CD in '91. It came out on CD, by the way, the same time I got the record. But I was like, well, I got, I have, I have one through five on LP. Now I got two. I got the whole collection on LP. Um, and then for many years, like, like I said, that was it. Um, it was a forty-five minute program, and some some key moments were missing. Uh, the Enterprise attacking the Reliant was missing. That was a big, you know, big key action piece. And, and there were other moments, uh, Captain Terrell's death, and. You know, sometime in the late 90s, expanded soundtracks started happening. Um, and it was, it wasn't Paramount's thing. Paramount was not doing expanded scores so much. Uh, other studios were, uh, Fox was, Warner Brothers, but not Paramount. And so it always was like we couldn't get any expanded Star Trek albums. And then one day in 2008, I was uh, out here and I had, I had met Lucas Kendall uh, a few months earlier. And he was running, you know, Film Scrum Monthly at the time. And he'd asked me to edit some albums for him. And he, uh, it's kind of amusing. He calls me up and leaves a voicemail, which I wish I still saved. And he says, Neil, um, I, I've got to go to Warner Brothers uh, to, to go over some things. I got to go to this mastering engineer in Chatsworth. Um, and I really think it's important for you to meet all these people. Also, my car's in the shop that day and I need a ride. <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay. I, I, like I said, I wish I'd saved that. So anyway, so we do our errands and he's like, oh, we have to go to Paramount. I was like, okay, cool. So we drive over to Paramount and we go up into the building and they're like, oh, the tapes are over there. And we go over and it's Star Trek two tapes. And he's like, oh yeah, we're going to be doing this next. It's our next project. And I was like, oh, oh holy smokes. Uh, this was in uh, December, 2008. And I can remember... We took the tapes over. I, I went through. I looked at the boxes. I cataloged everything on it, and 
the next day, um, I went over to hear them getting transferred. And they'd already started playing the tapes, but Lucas made them stop it and said, rewind it and start over again. And because the very first cue on the tape was Enterprise Attacks Reliant, mm. which is that big battle cue where the Enterprise rises up behind it and right. blows up the Reliant. And I was like, oh my gosh, finally we got it. So. Tapes were transferred, I got them home, and I was scared out of my mind because to do an album, uh, you know, trackies are very particular. No. They are. And soundtrack fans are just as particular as trackies. So now you've got these two groups and you're like, oh, geez, what have I gotten myself into? And this is very early in my career and I'm scared out of my mind and uh, but I was like, I know I know I have a good support system because I've got Lucas and Mike Mattesino is going to be mixing the album. So if I screw up somewhere, they will, you know, they'll catch me and, and it'll be great. And thankfully, I, I didn't screw up. And we, we uh, put this album out in 2009. And it was it was it was huge because no one expected a Star Trek to have, you know, we kept it quiet and it was just like, boom, out comes this record. And it was huge and it was great. And it was the full score to the movie had terrific liner notes uh, by Lucas and Jeff Bond and Al Kaplan. And I was thrilled. I was like, well, I've, I've now done a Star Trek album. What a great thing to have done. And then we went on and did three, four, five motion picture. We did say we did all, all 10 of those movies. I, and I never expected to do any more Star Trek. And then we also did original series. Um, I did animated series. And we did a 50th anniversary album in 2016. And I thought, well, that's it. You know, my task with Star Trek is completed. And uh, then this year, La La Land was going through their schedule. And uh, there were, you know, places where we could, you know, put something out. I went, oh, well, what about Star Trek 2 again? You know, I I I think the album we did in 2009 is out of print. And maybe we could put that back out in the catalog because over the years, um, you know, that was in 2008, 2009, I've produced quite a few albums since then and have, you know, a pretty good methodology now that I didn't have then. 
And I think Mike Mattesino as well, uh, his, his skills in mixing and mastering have also improved. And I thought, geez, we could, if we did a new transfer on Star Trek two, I think, I think we could really have something. So uh, I can't go to Paramount anymore because of COVID. You know, I can't look at tapes. And they send us a spreadsheet, which was not the most detailed spreadsheet. And it, I was like, well, I think these are the tapes I want. I want the exact same tapes we had last time. They were half inch. They had mixes. They were great. Let's, let's use those. Let's do new transfers on those. Well, they send over the tapes. And I, I look at them and I realize suddenly I've got way more Star Trek II than I've ever had on Star Trek II. And, you know, I've, I'm the expert. I know what we have. I've, did, I've done this project already. How hard can it be? And suddenly I'm going through, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have every take of Star Trek II. Every, so what, every, what does that exactly mean? I mean, last time you had the whole movie, does this mean that there are different takes, different, uh, different cues? I mean, uh, what does that mean? So, okay, so what happened was the last time we did the project, we had a bunch of, we had uh, about four tapes, I think it was, four or five tapes that had one recording of every cue in the movie. Main title, there. Surprise on Steady Alpha 5, there. You know, it was all one one piece, you know. When they record, um, you know, anything, any any scores, you know, they, they do multiple takes. So if this movie has, I, I don't know how many cues it has. Let's say it has 21 cues. Well, there were 173 recordings of each individual cue. So, so these might have been bits and pieces of individual cues. And different versions of right, different. Yeah, you know, you know, you know, the, the orchestra is, you know, was out of sync. Uh, something, you know, a musician, you know, flubbed the flubbed the note, and they would stop, and you know, something was so. So, in the case of uh, Genesis Countdown, which was the first thing they recorded, the the take that they used in the movie, and that was on our last release, and was on those previous tapes, was take twelve, with a little insert from take ten. But suddenly, I had take I had takes one through eleven. Wow, I was like, "Oh my good!" And I listened to them all because, like, what what changed? What what's different? What what's because I was like, "Well, if there's something radically different, I want that on the album." Turns out they were they were pretty. Uh, they they didn't pretty close. They were pretty close. They did, they didn't really sway all that much. They did on on uh, buried alive, so I included that on the album. Uh, but suddenly, I not only did I have every performance of you know throughout the scoring session, the quality was better. Um, you remember the old, you remember the Atlantic record that you mentioned, it said digital recording yeah. at the bottom of it, which was a big deal in the eighties. Um, but they also recorded as a backup an analog recording. Right. And with an analog recording, you don't have this frequency response issue. It's not, right. not necessarily an issue. It's just a compromise. It's a um, gate that it has to pass through. Right. So, but with analog, you can do anything, you know, it's, there's no limit. I mean, you know, per se. And so when I looked at this in, in Pro Tools, they, Paramount had done a new transfer in high res. And I went, oh my gosh, not only do I have every take, I've got it the best quality ever. Now, now we've really got an exciting new album. And I was like, well, we really have to do Star Trek too. And it came together very quickly, actually. And so um, I edited it, um, put it all together, matching the edits that were done for the film and for the previous album. And got it off to Mike Massino, who did an exemplary job uh, bringing some life into this uh, recording and score. And I think it sounds terrific. 
I imagine that the Mats, who have done the Lord's work at La La Land Records, putting out so much of this amazing music, uh, not just for Star Trek, but for many other franchises, but specifically for Star Trek, um, must have been thrilled when you told them what the situation was. There, there was actually a little bit of hesitancy. Uh, we, we, you know, you sort of have to, you know, uh, obviously you like, we've got more stuff. It's great. They're going to like it, but it's like, but, but it's coming from analog. It's not from digital. It's like, don't worry. Don't worry. It, it, it will be, very, it will be, it will be well-liked. So all the people who love vinyl, <laughs> who love the sound of analog music, because it is a little bit bigger than digital because as you said digital you know clumps it down a little bit just to for the fit the format but uh, analog can go all over the place yeah you know go ahead, go ahead. no no it's just well, say, you know, the, the, the early did the, the early the early digital you know you know it was 40 years ago yeah right so digital technology has increased but those digital recordings are locked in there's you can never get anything beyond what's in that digital recording that is all they are. There is nothing more. No. <laughs> well, it's it's, uh, sort of like, it's sort of like next generation. You know, it was finished on video. Right. So the right. only way you can make it high def is to go back, back to the, the analog. Yeah, analog because film. yeah, you can't make that look any better than it is. Right. Uh, because of the way it was it was it was posted. Um. Okay. So I want to ask you. Um. Obviously, look for those of us who've heard the album. And I know already, you know, on social people talk, it sounds phenomenal. You could absolutely hear the improvement. But there's also a couple of tracks that people have never heard before, including the Genesis, um, wait, 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 uh, Genesis Project and, and some of the um, some some other tracks that that people haven't heard before. Can you talk about, you know, you know, sort of adding to the mix? Sure. Well, Not the mix, but the mix in terms of the. Diversity of about that. Cues. No, uh, the, uh, the Genesis project was released before. It was on the 2009 album. You probably just skipped it because it was in the middle. <laughs> it might be. I might. Be, it might be the case. <laughs> um, uh, the big, the big revelation, big revelation was, like I said, buried alive, which mm -hmm. has a completely different ending, which was exciting um, because it's because again, I'm sitting through here and I'm like, you, you sort of, okay, that's the same. Then you sit up and go, oh wait, I haven't heard that before. That's going on the album and then the other surprising thing was uh i don't know if the movie made a mistake or if they made a mistake archiving but i think it's the movie that made a mistake uh the q kirk takes command is supposed to be take 47 
Um, that's the circle take on the recordings. It's the tape they it's the take they archived on our tapes. Is it's that the, the one that starts at dun dun dig dun dun dig dun dun dig dun? Well, it has that. It starts off yeah. with this. It's it's a continuation of Spock's theme, and I think they split right. it in half right. because it's a real change. Right. That's where um, when he steps on the bridge. Right. Right. But he, um, uh, it, it's, it, it starts on the shot of Kirk like turning his head after Spock says that is wise. I think that's where it starts. But um. And that cue had even been prepared for the soundtrack album. They just, they, they ran out of space. I think Corner talked about it in, uh, in the making of Star Trek II book, where he says, you know, records only have so much space, so we can only put so much music on. They had prepared uh, two extra, three extra cues to be on the album, but they couldn't, they couldn't include them for space reasons. But what happened was, again, I'm sitting here putting everything together and I'm Mr. Know-it-all. I've done this all before. How hard can it be? And I'm like, wait a minute, this take is not matching the movie. I cannot get this to match what's happening here. I was like, did they use another take? And sure enough, take 46 is what's in the movie. So take 46 debuts on our album uh, in sequence where it belongs. I guess, I don't know why, why that happened, why the wrong take wound up in the movie, but it did. So I guess it's the right take. So you don't oh, think it was yeah. James Horner's choice to, to he he liked that take better? He was uh, you know a lot of times a composer wants a different take that they feels better for the album than actually in the movie. But uh, but this seems like a mistake given the yeah fact that- I, I I can't figure it out. Um, there's in fact forty six had a little bit of a uh, little problem in the beginning of it that we had to address. It just it, it wasn't quite right, but we fixed it. You know we delivered the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's so funny because I remember as a kid listening to that album and I, the, you know, there's always these cues that you play over and over, you know, or just, um, uh, you know, needle, the needle damage after listening to so much, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, the Klingon battle and Star Trek, the motion picture or Imperial March. I, I think Kirk's explosive reply, I probably listened to, I don't know how many times. begin to realize how magnificent the score is uh, when you hear the complete score as opposed to that old Atlantic album. It, it really is, is pretty spectacular. 
Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, obviously it's a real tribute to Bob Salon and Nick Meyer uh, that when they went to Joel Sill and heard Jamie Horner, that they decided to use him. I, and of course, Joel Sill, who was a huge James Horner fan, they used him later that year for 48 hours as well at the studio. Um, but, you know, this is a guy that they took a huge chance on. He'd really only been doing, you know, stuff for Roger Corman, um, like Battle Beyond the Stars and Humanoids from the Deep. I just Can you tell us a little bit about sort of the, the, the road to this score? I mean, particularly on the heels of, you know, Jerry Goldsmith had done the, the first movie. I mean, this is an Academy Award winner. He's done some of the greatest scores of all time. Uh, you know, it was a, a money reason, but also it's still a huge risk to take uh, a gamble on somebody like James Horner at that part, point in his career. You know, it's, it, he had a peculiar uh, career Horner Horner did because because he followed Goldsmith on Star Trek. Then he followed Goldsmith on Alien. Yeah. And then if you think about it, Goldsmith scored Secret of Nim. And then Horner scores American Tale, the other Don Bluth mouse movie. And it's like it, it happened all the time. The only time I can think of it reverse reverse is where Horner had scored Clear and Present Danger, and then Goldsmith scored Some of All Fears. But um, I don't know. I mean, obviously Horner had gotten in on the on the on the Corman shows, and he really wanted. To, I watched a documentary the other day. He apparently really wanted to score Battle Beyond the Stars, and I think that was. I think that he wanted to make that a, like a calling card. Like, here's my big sci-fi epic. Right. I, I haven't talked to him about this. I don't, I don't know, but it just sort of plays that way. It's like, because after he did that, that's when things started taking off. It's like, you know, it had, it, it, it had a record. It had, you know, it had a soundtrack release. And um, that has so much DNA from Star Trek, the motion picture. It sure yeah. does. I mean, it, uh, you know, whether or not they temp tracked it with it, I'm sure the temp track in his mind was tracks from Star Trek. And he used the blaster beam, so famously used in motion picture. Um, he used it differently right. than Goldsmith did. He, um, but he used it, and he used it all the time. Right. It's in Deadly Blessing. It's in Star Trek II. Um, I know I'm, th- I'm forgetting another one that it's in. Uh, obviously, it's in Battle Beyond the Stars. Probably not in American Tale. It's not that he stopped using it. It's not in Krull. And I'm wondering if it's because they didn't want to bring it over to London where Krull was recorded. Right. Um, but it's in Star Trek three. Um, yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I, I guess he was, you know, um, he was the young up and comer. He was obviously terrific. He could deliver stuff probably quickly. Amazingly uh, quickly. Yeah. Amazingly quickly. Well, yeah. How, how fast did he do this? It's a good question. They started scoring in April, and he, I think he was hired in January. I don't know when they had a when they had a locked picture on this because there were also reshoots, uh, maybe in February, I think. On it, so somewhere in there, he, he cranked out sixty five minutes of music. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and it's great music. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like he nailed it. It's not like you know. Like on motion picture where they recorded, you know, 20 minutes of music that they were like, eh, it's not quite right. And it's amazing he nailed it while keeping it completely different from motion picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, especially, you know, given his previous work on Battle Beyond the Stars. I mean, it, it, 
it, it's fascinating how he he made it a completely different feeling to it, but it's completely appropriate at the same time. Well, there were there were several mandates. One of them was we don't want the Goldsmith music in this. Right. Fine. And they took a different approach to motion picture, which is on this one, you know, Nick Meyer says it's Horatio Hornblower. So they want they want the sailing ships. They want the windswept sound. And then you hear Jerry Goldsmith's initial 20 minutes of music that he wrote for motion picture. Right. They don't like they it. They told him, don't do the sailing ships. No, yeah, we don't want <laughs> sailing yet. ships. So it's like what was, you know, wrong for one movie is right for another movie. And this one is definitely sailing ships. Um, I think they had some some sailing ship music on the temp track right. at some point. Yeah, do you know what Star Trek the, uh, Wrath of Khan was tempted with? Do you have any idea? Because obviously there's the music in the show West Reel, the famous show West Reel, which has a lot of footage that was never used in the movie, like uh, Savick's Romulan Blood. And, um, the, you know, there's a bunch of deleted footage that's never seen the light of day um, in that show West Reel. And I'm trying to remember what it was tempted with, but it definitely wasn't Jamie's score. This is William Shatner. Here are some scenes from a picture we're all proud of. Star Trek II. Captain's log, start of 8130.3. Starship Enterprise on training mission to Gamma Hydra. Section 14, coordinates 22874. Approaching neutral zone, all systems normal and functioning. Leaving section 14 for section 15. Stand by. Project parabolic course to avoid entering neutral zone. Aye, Captain. Alert. Sensors indicate three point on three. Visual. Bearing three one six mark four. Closing back. Evasive action. Fire all phasers. Your protege's first race. Trifle emotional. She is half Romulan, Jim. The admixture tends to make her more volatile than me, for example. Than you. Yes, I see that. On course to CD Alpha Five. All is well. Good. I believe you know David Marcus. Ah, she's learning by doing. What you see is all that remains of the Botany Bay. My room here, my Captain James D. Kirk. Yeah, wasn't it blue? Like the, well, it was motion picture. There was some motion picture, and I think there was some blue Max in it. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I forget we I forget what um, what was tempt on this. Uh, it, it, there's a work print of the of the movie. Um, I think it's at UCLA mm -hmm. that some people have seen. It's not complete, and I think it has two pieces of music on it. But otherwise, it's scored. It's, it's, there's no tempo on it. It's so the one not, where Spock and Savick are speaking English. Correct. It also has that famous reference to the uh, the child, to Khan's child on mm -hmm. the Botany Bay. And we got to get a hold of this. We got to see this. And Marla MacGyver's. Ah. Uh, mm-hmm. She's, she's mentioned on it. You know, it's funny. I just found out something I never knew about Marla MacGyver's um, that actually early in, I think it was before Nick got involved, that uh, Bob and um, Harv were interested in, in getting um, uh, Madeline, Rue Madeline Rue to be, right. in, to be in the film. 
And when they approached her, she she was too sick um, to to uh, to do it. So she had to turn them down. But did well, they course, had actually wanted her for the film. by the city alpha eel? Well, there you go. Um, but, I, you know, it's interesting because all the interviews I've read, they always say, oh, no, because we want him to be so dead set on revenge. We never considered having Marlon MacGyver's in it. We want her to be dead, which helped fuel his antipathy towards Kirk. But it was interesting to hear that because um, they had tried to get Madeline Rowe, which would have been interesting. She did some acting after it, though, after she did. But she was very sick at the time. Mm. And uh, and um, yeah, she did a Fantasy Island or a Love Boat or some other stuff. But um, but she she turned them down. Well, it's interesting that she did a Fantasy Island uh, with Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I think it was Fantasy Island. It was one of those I hope shows. she did a Fantasy you know, I'm not looking at the internet right now, but I hope she did a Fantasy Island. Yeah, me too. Yeah. No, you're, well, in, you're in the internet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, so, you know, it must be really rewarding for you as someone who grew up on, you know, these scores and was so, such a huge fan of, uh, of of the film music, you know, to basically um, have a chance to uh, produce and mix, you know, all these uh, amazing scores, and they're so different and they're so diverse. Um, you know, when you look at the the Star Trek library of scores, you know, what strikes you as as uh, you know, what are some of your favorites? Um, why are they that way? You know, what was the most surprising to you about these these scores? Well, the, my favorite is, well, today's Friday, so I'll, I'll say Star Trek <laughs> the motion picture. I, you know, I love motion picture. I, I, grew, I got that record when I was, that, that was a record that you could find everywhere. And I got that record very young. I was, I was, I was three when I got the motion. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And I played it on my Fisher Price record player and Klingon battle scared the hell out of me. And I couldn't be in the room when it played <laughs> Was it the clicks? <laughs> it was. It was the Anklung. It's it, it, oh, they scared me, but I've I've since faced my fears, and I I'm no I'm no longer afraid of the Anklungs in in motion picture. You you've um, always hated Klingons, and you always will. No, always hated Anklungs. I, I forgive them. <laughs> it's great, you know. Never been this close. Um, <laughs> so, can you tell us about the uh, the journey to? Uh, to bring forth the animated series music because that is something that is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, very uh, mythologized uh, along the years. And, and it's especially uh, important to uh, people mine and Mark's age because we saw that very young and those music cues imprinted on us uh, extremely hard. Well, that was such a gift on the 50th anniversary to yeah. have that come out, particularly since for, for, for many years, it was believed that it, it would never, ever see, see the right. light of a CD. Mike Mattesino was very complimentary about that. Uh, he said, basically, I was the only person who could do that. I think, I'm, let's just say I'm paraphrasing, but it was very complimentary because you needed someone who not only had the knowledge of the music, you needed someone proficient at editing. Right to pull it all off um the masters don't survive on that you know we're talking about you know takes and recording sessions they don't they cannot be found on the animated series so the only thing that survives on the animated series are these 
what they call DMEs, dialogue, music, and effects tracks. And they're, they're, ta- they're mono tapes with th- three mono tracks on them. One is just the dialogue for the episode. One is just the effects for the episode. So the phasers and, and you know, ship warping off and explosions. And the other one is the music. And when you play all three, you get the final mix for the show. Right. Um, the music is the music heard in the episode you are watching. So that means it's dipping up and down in volume. Volume changes, editing. Wow. It, it's all built in. There's nothing you can do about it. So we transferred those tapes. And it then became my job to listen to the music stems and start cutting them up and building out each individual cue and try to get them to represent what the recording was, which none of us know what the original recording was because they don't survive. It's all a guess. Um, And so what are there, 22 episodes of the animated series? Uh, Yeah. So I had to go through 22 different musics, you know, each episode, listen and start compiling. And so what I would do is I would keep it very organized and start building out a track. And I go listen to another episode and go, oh, this is this is this cue. Is this little moment better than what I have? It's not better. I don't want it. If it is better, I'm going to keep it. And I had to just keep doing that for every cue from every episode and just keep comparing back and forth. Is mm. this better? Is it, what's wrong with this? Is, is, and just, so it got to a point where I was ready to, to play my, my thing. And it's all, like you said, the volume is up and down. Yeah. And I'm like, here is the complete cue. And it's all over the place, but it's the best sounding we have. This, this is it. This is the cue. It's but... all that I have. <laughs> it's all I have. And so I was like, I felt terrible. I'm like, here you go, Mike. <laughs> you know, <laughs> can, can, you, can you mix this? And sure enough, he could. He found a way to, he found a way. He found a way. To, Life uh, will find a way. Yeah. <laughs> to, to start putting this thing together. And we started listening to it like, oh my gosh, it actually, actually works. It together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and then so then it was like okay, let me make a playlist. Let me you know I sort of made it like a, like sort of like the, the the ultimate episode of of uh, of the animated series. I wanted it to sound like it was from an episode, mm-hmm. even though it's you know it's thirty some odd minutes of music. But I was like, let's just make it sort of seem like you are watching. So so we have the wrap up music at the you know da dun 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 you know yeah yeah. We got that at the end. We got uh, the captain's log at the beginning. So interestingly enough, all those stems, you know, it wasn't on those stems, Mark. The main and end title to the show. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't have a main or end title. Oh. But luckily someone did. Someone. Who was that person, Neil? It was, it was, um, you. It was oh, come on. No, you know, you can't ask a question like that and go fishing for sure a compliment. I was, I was, I was setting them up. Just call me Scott. It was yeah. the miracle worker. Is it A or B? <laughs> the, the, uh, the, uh, the, so we, Darren had laser the laser disc. discs, which laser. I wanted because they had, right. the, they, they had them in mono. I didn't want the five, one rechannel DVD. Yeah. Rip. I wanted the laser disc because it had analog sounds on it. It's like, let's record those in. 
So the, the main and end title actually come from Darren's laser discs. Way to go, I, Darren Dockerman. Woo! That's awesome. Bum, bum, I didn't bum, know bum, that. Bum, bum, See, bum, I learned something new every week. See? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> you know what? I, I think I screwed up. I think my wrap-up music was actually the Hitchcock psycho trailer music. <laughs> <laughs> They're so similar. I gotta tell you, I can't so- I can't get over. How excited we all were about that dopey music! I, oh, I just, yeah. w- it was so exciting that the animated series music, and I know it's something I remember. You were being asked about incessantly for years. It, Everyone well, was wanted that. Yeah, it's like, well, it, you know, it goes to um, something about fandom where you release something and you think it's the greatest. You're excited, right? You are. You're like, oh, finally, it's out there, and we can talk about it. And like, the first thing somebody says is. Well, what about this? Right. So it's like, here, we've just done a 15 CD box set of all the music from the original series. <laughs> Have at it. And it's like, yeah, well, what about the animated series? You're like, oh, oh <laughs> really? <laughs> That's your question. Well, yeah. you know what I'd like to see if we're doing our wish list, even though I have all this stuff, I'd love to see a box set of all the movies or at least all the original movies. Well, it's tough to do. They can't even do it on 4K. <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know, I know, and and then you know, I, I guess also different labels control that's, different albums. And just stuff. it's 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 different labels. Um, when you these know albums, what the, you know what Star Trek fans' favorite song is? What's that? I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, the Rolling Stones. If they could <laughs> combine Abco and uh, Columbia and eventually <laughs> release all the. You know, one giant box from two huge labels. Wow. Um, two, one smaller label and ever. one huge label. What? So what, the uh, word is no, we're therefore going anyway, right? That's our mantra. Well, what happened with, with, with the soundtrack albums is that each movie got its own deal, I guess. And each so each soundtrack album got released on a different label. And these labels, you know, uh, you know, Star Trek II came out from Atlantic, which is now a part of Warner Music Group. Yeah. You know, Star Trek Four was MCA, which is UMG. And Star Trek Six was as as was UMG as well. So, so that's why it, that's why you can't just get them all together in one. Yeah. And then different specialty labels like Entrada or you know La La Land Records, they have you know they they pursued and got different. But different you records. can sell a box. We could. I guess you're right. We should design. <laughs> we should design a box that can hold. Now, let me ask you this. Um, would you want the, the the Kelvin universe included in the box or do you not want that box? Or should we do two boxes or three boxes? Two, it should be three boxes. It should be the original films uh-huh. through Undiscovered the next Country. Generation films. Then next generation films. And then the, and Kelvin. Then the Kelvin universe. Okay. I, will, I will say something. I, I, it's no secret I'm not a huge fan of those movies. I do like the Michael Giacchino scores a lot, though. Of course. And I, I know I'm in the minority uh, for, for some of my peers, but I actually quite like those scores. Yeah. No, they're good. I, I I like the movies. Okay, you're allowed. Everybody's allowed to like what they like on this show. It's, you know, just Darren, because you we like. don't like it, unless you're Scott Mance, then we give you shit. Oh, like, okay. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I, no. I, you know, you know, um, we bought a new 4K TV last year, and I watched them all again in 4K. I was like, oh, these are these are fun movies. Now you know Neil is in the first movie. Is he? I wasn't yeah. gonna say it. At the well, academy, I'm gonna say it. He's he's in the academy. He's uh, standing right behind Spock. I can't change my background, can I? 
No, you may not. You guys should just recuse yourself. First, you're pitching out. (laughs) Oh, isn't that animated series said great? Because I helped make it happen. It's not great. How about those Kelvin? How 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 about those Kelvin Universe movies that I'm in? Yeah, I am. I I, want the episode to be interesting, don't you, Mark? I, I was I, I was already found. This is fascinating. I, I look. I, I love you know. I've collected soundtracks since I was a kid. Since I was purloining uh, James Bond albums from my parents' uh, uh, a vinyl rack, and 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 so I find this all you know extremely interesting. Which in fact, you know, one thing we didn't ask Neil, which I, I'm interested in, is how did you get into this? This is not um, you know an ordinary job. You know, you're not a plumber or, you know, go to plumbing school or telephone sanitizer. You, you know, how do you become a guy who's who's doing what you're doing? Well, um, I came out here to learn Pro Tools in 2007. And I already knew, uh, I knew Mike Mattesino and I knew Dave Fine. So I had done some, you know, some work with them, not but nothing major. And I didn't really know, didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I went to for those who don't know what it is. Pro Tools is a, uh, is software for audio editing. Yeah. It's digital. Is a digital that audio is often picture. used on motion pictures and, uh, and also uh, mastering for music. Yeah. And it transformed the post pipeline. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a completely changed post for movies, for music, for everything. I mean, it's unbelievable. And so I didn't plan on getting in soundtracks, even though, like I said, I knew Mike and he was, you know, doing terrific work. And I thought, geez, I'll probably get into film, you know, editing, you know, dialogue or footsteps or something fully. And so, but I started doing some work with Mike and I, I kind of liked it. And I, I started meeting people and then I, he said, well, you, we should go meet Lucas Kendall. And so we went to a studio and there was Lucas and literally he said, hi, do you want to cut for me? Really? He didn't say, who the fuck are you? No. Oh. Well, I was after that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. and, and I was like, you know, I have a, I have a difficult time saying no to any work. So I said, absolutely. Yes. So I started uh, uh, on this very uh, old, difficult project of a movie called The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. Yeah, sure. Chuck Jones. Uh, Dr. Seuss. I meant that. I know. <laughs> You're not a Seussbert. I, I know, Gloria Seussperts. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so and this was a difficult project. This was a thing that had like no paperwork. It was a movie that was re-edited. Uh, it was it was a complete mess. It was fingers. Yeah. <laughs> and but I eventually figured it out. I was like able to put a record. You figured we, it out. We uh, <laughs> we put but like a it bomb, was bomb. It was nuts because it wound up being a three CD set of 5,000 fingers of Dr. T. And that's what I was like, oh, my goodness, how did I do this? And you divide <laughs> 5,000 into three. Oh. Difficultly. I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm terrible at math. But, any, but anyway, um, so I just started doing work for Lucas. And I started you know, working on, you know, Star Trek II was a very early album I did. And then we started doing more Paramount work. And I just started getting in there. And then... Uh, uh, I pitched myself to La La Land Records when I found out they were doing a Batman album, the Danny Elfman mm-hmm. project. I had already done Airplane for them. And I was like, hey, look, if you need somebody to, to work on Batman, you know, give me a call. And they sort of hit a log jam on Batman. So I did get, I did get to work on it a little bit uh, and wound up co-producing that. And then 
going on from there, working with uh, La La Land some more, and then working with Entrada and working with Quartet and working with Res Saravan. Or it, was, it just it just sort of, you know, everybody knows yeah. everybody. And yeah. you just sort of like, oh, you did this. Could you do this? Do you have time for this? And I was like, yes, I can do this. And, and it just somehow it keeps going. Um, I didn't know if it was going to keep going through COVID. Yeah. Um, I was sort of like, oh, this could potentially be the end of it. But then yeah. I'm actually busier than well, ever. It, <laughs> right so the, it seems to me that the only thing that uh, that keeps people from working on this kind of stuff during COVID is actually getting the raw materials. Right. Um, because well, obviously, all, the, yeah. all the work happens at home and you can do it, you know, without even seeing <laughs> anybody, really. Correct. Yeah. yeah. It, it is just a matter of getting the right person to find the material and getting it picked up and transferred. We've had, we've had pretty good luck with it, you know. And, and it must be gratifying for you as someone who is very young when this movie first came out and a longtime Star Trek fan, as you are, um, to see somebody like Nick Meyer. Um, who has been every time I look, uh, he is just so over the moon about this new album. He's been tweeting about it. He's been Facebooking about it. I mean, and that is not the Nick Meyer that I know or have, have encountered <laughs> before. And he is just a booliant about it. And it must make you feel really good as a fan, as well as a professional. It's, it's, it's very nice. It's, you know, it's, it's humbling. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good feeling. Um, it's funny though. Um, when we were doing this, you know, starting this project. And like I said earlier, uh, you know, the, the previous album had notes by Lucas Kendall, Jeff Bond and Al Kaplan. And I'm like, well, how do you compete with that? How do you possibly, because that's like the soundtrack triumvirate right there. I don't know how, how you can do a Star Trek album and compete. And I was like, well, I, I have, I have a friend who I can write and is a Trekkie. And I thought, well, Dennis Cordell would be a good writer for this. And I pitched it and they said, yeah, let's do it. I said, Dennis, do you want to write this? He said, yes, I do. And we're talking and talking. He's like, and I'll give Nick a call. And I'm like, wait, what? He's like, oh, I'm friends with Nick, Nicholas Meyer. <laughs> and I went, oh, <laughs> so you are absolutely the perfect person to do the, these notes because you already know Nick. And so Nick's been very helpful throughout this and, 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 uh, and uh, communicative with, with uh, Dennis throughout the whole project. So but you cut him from the liner notes. No, uh, no, we, we kept we kept Nick. Unfortunately, Walter Koenig was oh, right, also Walter, friends with Dennis. Right. That's right. Walt, Walter got cut. Well, the, once the first, again, like he doesn't have enough insecurities right. without you cutting him. I mean, first how many times the animated, cut from the animated series? <laughs> Look, uh, uh, the, the <laughs> we were sort of under the gun on this, and I said, Dennis, I need the notes. I need the notes. He's like, I got him. I got him. Here you go. And they were twenty three pages <laughs> typed. And I went, that's a little long. <laughs> it's terrific. It's a little long. So we, we were merciless in cutting this down. I still think they're terrific. I've got, uh, uh, Neil, but, I've got nothing nice to say about the uh, liner notes. Uh, they're completely I, uh, in incomplete in my mind. I'm terribly sorry, Mr. <laughs> Koenig. I, I, it, I'll, but the I'll, good I'll, news is when they do the animated series again, he'll get to write the liner ah! notes. <laughs> the infinite soundtrack well maybe well maybe someday we could do expanded liner notes if you know we could do you know do expanded records we'll do yeah that'll, that'll liner sell that'll we sell. got the material <laughs> now with more pictures so i think it's safe to say we will not be seeing another version of the wrath of god soundtrack at this point um you know never say never 
Mm. Um, the nice thing about the, the real thing about wanting to do this release overall was I wanted to close the book on Star Trek II. Um, the previous album that came out in 2009 was the full score with, with the bonus track of the original epilogue, which was awesome finding, finding that, you know, the original epilogue without mm-hmm. the spot casket music. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. this was so far along. Because was, that was really like the first evidence we really had that that thing, that that movie existed without the, uh, without the casket, without the genesis scene. Because because mm-hmm. they could say all day long we had a cut that, that, you know, didn't have it. We needed this to put it in. Like, here's the evidence. Look, here it is. They didn't have it in the movie at one point. No, they didn't. They, that was the version they showed and people did not respond well to it. Or they actually did respond well to it, but they felt they could juice it even more with a happier ending. Right. And it, it, it's a terrific ending. You've got the crucifixion, but you don't have the uh, Easter morning. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so, but, but, but after we did Star Trek 2, when we did, you know, Star Trek 3, we, we did the rest of the, the films, you know, three, four, five, six in motion picture. They either, they either had the original soundtrack album on them, right? Or you could program the original soundtrack album. And with Star Trek 2, you couldn't. You could kind of sort of get the original soundtrack album, but you couldn't really get the original soundtrack album mm. from the 2009 release. And I thought, geez, that's something we could really, we could you know, you know, the album. revisit and maybe. Yeah. Right, include right. the album. And then mm. I was maybe, you know, maybe include some more bonus stuff because we had, mm. we had stuff that we, we just didn't have room for last time. We had the alternate takes of, uh, of Amazing Grace and the alternate right. key. Mm-hmm. And we just, mm-hmm. you know, just space is a, is a premium. So we didn't include them. So it was like, we had stuff, but we just didn't make it a two-disc set. And, you know, like every, like everything else became. So I was like, geez, we could really close the book. And I think we have at this point. Now, the other thing is we did restore it all in high resolution. Will mm-hmm. there be a high-res stereo format someday we could put Star Trek Two out on? I don't know. Right. Um, but it's ready. I'd love to. Well, it does seem that people finally are embracing, you know, a better quality of sound. You know, even Apple now is making a big deal out of Apple yeah. lossless uh, finally after all these years. Yeah. So it does seem that the pendulum might be swinging back a little bit from, you know, people not really caring about sound and only caring about convenience to, to actually caring about the quality of their sound. Um, and it won't just be for audiophiles. Yeah, it's, it's now digital distribution is tough on a project like this because of who owns what. Yeah. Uh, like I said, the original album was released on Atlantic, which is now Warner Music Group. Yeah. So they own those tracks. But the unreleased tracks, or you know, the, 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 the tracks that aren't on the original soundtrack album, those are owned by Paramount. So you can't yeah. really put that out digitally. It takes a third party like La La Land right. to put it out on CD, but they're not going to get digital rights. Yeah. So... But I would, I would love, you know, a lot of the projects that we do are done, you know, in high res. So they are ready, ready to go for should some, someone want to pay the licensing fee for some future format. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if physical media is long for this world. Um, yeah. Yep. Yep. So let me ask you then, um, you know, for Horner, Star Trek three was his favorite of his Star mm-hmm. Trek scores. Um do you have a, a, a dream project? Um, uh, you, you know, it could be Star Trek or, or another movie. Like now that you've you've done this incredible Star Trek Two CD, is is there something 
you know, that you're optimistic about? I mean, for years, you know, Darren was hoping to get to do the director's mm-hmm. edition. Now it's finally happening in, in 4K UHD. It is. Um, what about you? What's the dream project? I thought that was a secret. Why do people keep saying that? It's been in the train. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I heard the last episode. Everything else is a secret. The fact that it's happening is not a secret. I mean, it's like, oh my God. He's like, don't talk about the secret project. It's like, what? It's not a secret. It's like James Bond. Don't drink the motion picture. is not a secret. The, the, uh, well, you just said it. I, I want to do more James Bond stuff. We've done, you know, we, with La La Land, from your lips to God's ears. With La La Land, um, I've had I look when I did Star Trek Two, I thought I did Star Trek Two. I've done a Star Trek project, great. I can't believe it. And then it turned out to be more and more, and here we are. You know, twelve years later, still talking about Star Trek music. Um, we've done two expanded James Bond albums already. We've done and they're great. I'm thrilled them. Thank you. I done Die Another Day and The World Is Not Enough. Uh, the David Arnold's two of David Arnold's scores. He's a delight to work with. Um, I also did Stargate with him, which was produced by Dean Devlin. Yep, indeed, our our executive cool. producer and uh, and a great guy and 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 a, a great filmmaker. And Stargate obviously is a phen- phenomenal film. And you know, David Arnold. I miss David Arnold terribly on the Bond movies. Not a huge fan of Thomas Newman scores, but more than that, I just love what David Arnold did. And he was like the true successor. Yeah. To John Barry and, and what you guys did with uh, the La La Land scores are phenomenal. So enough about the Star Trek crap. What other James Bond stuff uh, do you want to well, I mean, do? I, I was pitching title after title after title. I was like, wait, guys, we've got anniversaries coming up. Why don't we do mm-hmm. some of these movies that, you know, haven't been expanded and have anniversaries? The 60th. Well, I wasn't even, I wasn't even, I wasn't even thinking that far back. I was thinking, you know maybe a movie that has a 40th anniversary coming up maybe we could do that um it's time to do well, moonraker that's, that's what it's i was hinting to... at i would love to well it's if, if we don't right watch now. out it's going to be uh, the uh, 10th anniversary of uh, no time to die and it won't even be released a friend of mine said that we're going to see bond 26 before we see bond 25 <laughs> i had tickets to see that movie i had them you had them in your hands Mark. i had them on my computer um, so yeah, I mean, I would, I, I would absolutely love to work on on more James Bond titles, just because I love the series, I love the music, and I think they've been, you know, Lucas again was involved with some terrific releases, yes. and fantastic. And it's like, oh, why stop? I under, I mean, I understand, I understand the logistics, but it's like, oh, why can't we get, no pun intended, more? That Thunderball, uh, that Thunderball uh, uh, thing he did is fantastic. The Diamonds Are Forever that he did, The yeah, Only Live Twice. I mean, and our messy Secret Service, amazing. I mean, we, we all owe a debt of gratitude to, to Lucas for those uh, expanded uh, Bond. Because I remember going to Tower Records in Greenwich Village and buying those original mm-hmm. CDs. And, you know, I was so excited. But, I mean, they weren't really great. They were, they were, <laughs> I mean, you know, qual- you know <laughs> when I was growing up, I didn't really know better. I, yeah, I no one yeah, like, yeah. Excuse me? No one did. No one, no one, no no one, one did. I mean, like, no, what do you mean no one knows? Like, I remember getting Superman, the Superman soundtrack album, and being like, well, this music's not even in the movie. What is, I don't know what this is. And I was like, but then the music that I, that isn't, that is, that I hear in the movie isn't, isn't on here. And I just never made the connection that, yeah. geez, maybe someday that other music could come out. It just, right. it, it never even, 
was a possibility. Yeah. So what's your unfinished Star Trek business? Or is there no star, uh, unfinished Star oh, geez, Trek business at this point? I don't know what more there is. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. Is there nothing more? I'll, is this I'll all that I am? I'll tell you a funny story that involves you, Mark. You. Me. How did I get involved oh, with this totally. nonsense? There was a screening of some Star Trek movies at the Egyptian uh, a number of years ago. And La La Land had a table there. And I think there was a giveaway and you were like giving away the the, the, the 15 CD set, the, the original series collection. Oh yeah, the, the, that's the greatest box set I ever concur. created. The greatest Star Trek collectible. <laughs> yeah. but, but I'm sitting here in, in the front row of the balcony and you're talking about how great this thing is. And then you blurt out, even though it's missing music from Spock's brain, it's still terrific. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, thanks. The, the worst kept secret oh, in Hollywood. No. And and so I was like, oh, I was like, ah. But we, but but even that, when we did the the 50th anniversary set, we put the missing Spock's brain music on that release. Yeah, I so know, it's like, I know, which was so awesome. Like, Here you go. <laughs> Uh, and I and I think that was already in production. I think I think the screening was in 2016, but the album hadn't been announced yet. So I, I, yeah, it was for the 50th yeah, anniversary. So like, and and now uh, there's going to be a new uh, uh, 55th uh, anniversary. Uh, they're doing at the um, Skirball Center is doing a tribute to the 55th so, anniversary. So my wife had bought. They were going to do that last year, and yes. and my wife bought uh, uh, memberships for the Skirball for 2020. <laughs> And we were like, we're going to go to this thing so many times. It'll be great. My mom's visiting. We're going to go. And then well, we know what happened. And so now it's like, now it's like, yeah. I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't want to be near anybody. I'll go on a phone. Yeah, but it'll be in October. It'll be in October and, and, and it should be worthwhile. I'm sure there'll be people there who people want to see who are entertaining and have some insights. If I had like a Tholian web um, go. Doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what you could be. Like you're uh, going on the Defiant. That would be like cosplay, except it would Total be for cosplay. Real. I would take my glove off once in a while, though. Oh, no, that's... <laughs> but that's, that's how you get it. Time. Naked yeah. time. Oh, I blew it. Oh I'll God. never be a expert. <laughs> well, no, no. But you know what? The thing is, you'll hear the music cue yeah. when you... Oh, absolutely. You, yeah. you know, the naked... Yeah. yeah. So, there you go. It's not really a music cue. It, but it was recorded yeah, but... record at the sessions. Um <laughs> Okay, well, listen, Neil. Th- first of all, we again we owe you a debt of grad to you and and the mats at, at well, La La it's, Land. It, it's a Matt and Michael. Uh, is it's Ma- well, Matt it, and Michael, Michael Gerhardt and, and yeah, Matt Bear Boys. Yeah. yeah, so um, the Yams. So uh, yeah, so this is the set. It's um, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan from La La Land Records. You can get it uh, at the La La Land Records website. Look at these great liner notes. Without Walter well, Kading. But, but, but wait, and, um, but, but look at how many in fact, pictures. There's a sticker that says 98% less Walter Koenig on it. Look how many Walter Koenig but, but, pictures are in here, though. I mean, the guy, he's all over the book. All over. He's like, look at that. But what I love about this is it has Joel Sill, who is an unsung yeah. hero. Um, it has Nick Meyer. It has um, the widow of James yes, Horner. It has sultry pictures of um, Kirstie Alley. And, and, and no uh, Trump endorsements from her. <laughs> so it's a really great um, uh, liner note, you know, which, uh, which I love, which is a reason, another reason I love physical media, because, you know, liner notes, um, uh, like for instance, 
uh, they just came out with Dune on 4K. And I know a lot of people have said there's no documentary on the Arrow release, but they have this amazing liner notes and and uh, it's a fantastic but box apparently set. there is so I just an amazing, love physical there media. is an amazing german release that has like what uh seven uh discs in it yeah, uh, but it's in german and it's not region free well, it's not in german well the four, and, the four kit would be region free. it has german yeah. on the box what's what's german for dune i i don't know but i i i want i don't want that version the, uh, i i i'm very happy with the arrow version i think it's great um and uh it looks amazing i just got it i'm very excited by the way i want to not as excited as i am about this neil bulk hey (laughs) i I did want to thank you both um for for having me on but also you had done the interview with robert salen a a while back when we started this i was like he's still kicking let's let's have robert salen in the notes let's talk to him that it was really like who can we talk to and i was like let's get salen absolutely and Bob's great. He we is. Love Bob. We've become very friendly with Bob. What about Bob since we had him on the show and we all hit it off and, and I consider him a, a friend to show. And I'm so glad that we've been able to spread the gospel of Bob Salon. Because, yeah. uh, obviously, you know, Harv Bennett, who was uh, wonderful, cast a very big shadow and a lot of people got lost in that shadow. So it's great that Bob can get the attention, and the love that he was denied all these years. But uh, I'm, I'm still upset with him because we wanted him to do commentary on Star Trek three, but he wouldn't do it because he's too much, too much of a gentleman. Uh, has he watched Star Trek three? I think he's ever right. Okay. He has. Of course he has. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, did Richard Donner really watch the Superman two? Oh, I think he, he, I think so. Oh, that's a hate watch. Frame by frame. It's like they take your baby away and give it to another family. It's really, (laughs) it's really hard. Um, But uh, I'm glad that that Bob Salen um, interview led you to him because yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's a great guy and, and, and really such a important part of the success of that motion picture Um, and getting it done on time and on budget and making some really smart decisions. But, you know, all of them, you know, they, they are the troika that saved Star Trek. Nick Meyer, Harv Bennett, Bob Salen. You know, without them, I don't think we'd be, um, Star Trek would still be around today. You know, or at least in, in a mainstream way. I mean, maybe people, we would still be watching the original show and talking about that. But I, I don't think that uh, you would have had all these other subsequent shows and things. Remember, it's really not dead as long as we remember it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Neil. It was great having you on the show. And and uh, uh, when uh, you find the master tapes for uh, <laughs> something else, <laughs> which we'll have to have you come back. I would love to. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me on. Well, that was a much better show than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you would think that there is nothing more to talk about about Star Trek and specifically about Star Trek soundtracks because we've talked about them so freaking much, but there's always something new apparently. Well, it's funny because I always think, you know, how interesting is the show about soundtracks going to be? Because I love soundtracks. I love movie yeah. scores, but I love listening to them. I, it's like, right. I, you know, talking about them. And yet when we had Lucas Kendall on uh, a couple of years ago, you know, that was, you're talking about that original Star Trek box set. He was great. Yeah. Obviously we talked about the music of Star Trek, the motion picture. That was a great episode. And, you know, this didn't even have a star beyond time. And it's so fantastic. Um, so it was, it, was, it was really great to have Neil. And, you know, it's so great because when you talk to people who are involved with Star Trek projects who are passionate and yes. excited and get it and love it 
and and yeah. their you know their passion is infectious. So um, it was great to have have Neil Neil on the show. Uh, you know, he's another member of that Los Angeles Star Trek mafia. These people yeah. you always see at the Cinematheque or you know pre pandemic, you know, or at the New Beverly. You know, and and you just keep running into it. All these these different uh, Star Trek or or Star Trek uh, um, Star Trek adjacent uh, functions. Star Trek was the word I was looking for. <laughs> Star Trek adjacent uh, uh, um, uh, thing. So so it was really great that Neil could join us. I'm very curious to see what he's cooking up in the future uh, because he's worked on such great projects in the past. I'm sure he will work on more again. It's also interesting to see what what what's left to be done with Star Trek music. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a fan of what Michael Giacchino did with the Kelvin movies. Um, I, you know, I know that uh, Jeff Russo is getting a lot of attention for his work on uh, Discovery and, and the other shows. And um, but but, you know, the, the heyday of Star Trek music was obviously the original, um, the movies, uh, Jerry Goldsmith, James Horner. Um, and of course, um, you know, I would argue, uh, uh, you know, the Ron Jones era of uh, Next Generation. Uh, right. I know a lot of people are big fans of Des McCarthy. I'm not particularly one of them, um, but uh, there's some amazing, amazing uh, Star Trek movie music. And along with John Barry and the Bond movies, it really was what got me into symphonic movies and, of course, Star Wars later on. Um, so uh, this was fun. I I, uh, I had a great time and I, I love uh, I love listening to how everything goes together because that's always fascinated me. And uh, I got some news for you guys out there in uh, Trekland. Um, this was it. This was it. Don't get scared. This was it for the it. We're done. third season of uh, of of um, Inglorious Trexperts. This is the, the wrap. It's the season finale. It's the turn of the wrap of Con. Uh, um, the wrap of Con. That's really funny. Uh, on on the third season. But the good news is, with this show, for some insane reason, we don't take a hiatus. Uh -huh. So um, we'll be back next week. With season, with season four, four. <laughs> boldly going where the original series never went and uh, premiering our season four uh, series premiere. And I'm very excited to say that Trexpert's briefing room will also be returning. Now, for those of you who aren't quite clear on this, okay, we have two podcasts too. There's Inglourious Trexpert's, which you're listening to right now. There's right. another podcast that there has another, another name called <laughs> Inglourious I called no Trexpert's briefing, briefing, briefing room. And that's There's a different podcast. About it. That's where we do commentaries. And that's going to have its season premiere. And our guest hosts, Peter and Lisa, will be joined by Denise Crosby to talk about yesterday's enterprise I'm on the that. other podcast we do. Yeah. Trexpert's briefing room. Different podcast. You got it? An entirely different podcast altogether. Two podcasts. So technically, we're doing what? We're doing 104 episodes, <laughs> episodes a year. Each year. What the what? Are we Don't we have anything better to do? Why are we doing this? Because we're stupid and we'll die. No, because we love this stuff. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I knew there was a reason. I knew there was a reason. Um. Anyway, uh, Darren, we've done this for three years now. It's been it's been a lot of fun. I have to say, all kidding aside been a lot of fun doing the show and i wish to go on having a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> and that girl on the scooter wishes to go on hurting me as well i want to i want to i want to thank uh i want to thank everyone on on twitter by the way for their sympathy for my shin 
there was a lot of uh, a lot of nice comments. I think a lot of you realized that uh, I was seriously hurt by that woman in the scooter. Uh, it was and interesting. They posted, the, they posted some photos of who it might have been. I I I want to I want to thank Steve Hasbell, the president of Twice Century Fox, who who said, "Why don't you make any Captain Pike jokes?" It's like great. I'm getting notes from Fox yeah. on my yeah. freaking podcast. Thanks a lot, Steve. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry I did I missed the Pike joke on that one. Um, <laughs> anyway, we're so thrilled uh, to have all of you uh, join us every week. We're doing some really great episodes. We're doing some good ones. And we're doing some really ridiculous episodes. So thanks for sticking with us. Hopefully they're um, all fun. You know, it's as as fun. we said before, we, we do it for you guys, you know, and, and for us. That's you a know, lot. We do it for us. We do it for us. That, that you enjoy it, too, is just a bonus. And we love that. But we do it for us. Let's be honest. Oh, okay. It's the time for total truth between us. Trust me, Darren. You don't. You don't want total truth. Yes, I so, do. well, we 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 skirted the Vegas thing very well last week. Okay, so, and we got a new Trexpert on board, Ashley Miller. Fantastic. He, uh, he acts if cowardice is seen. And and uh, and it's great. So anyway, you, you can follow us on social media on an Inglorious Trek on Twitter, Facebook at Inglorious Trek and on Instagram at Inglorious Trexperts. Uh, of course, you can listen to our sister podcast, The 430 Movie, The Trexperts Briefing Room, an entirely other podcast, as well as The Leverage After Show, which is available exclusively on the Electric Now app. You can download Electric Now wherever you get your apps. It's free. And in addition to our podcasts, you can also watch episodes of Leverage, Librarians, uh, Flash Gordon serials, all kinds of great stuff. So you want to check that out. Um, that's the Electric Now app. So uh, Flash turn it Gordon on, leave it on. Flash are part of this balanced breakfast. Indeed, indeed. Um, and oh, by the way, Darren, you'll appreciate this. I was on Jamie Anderson's podcast talking oh, about cool. Space 1999 uh, last week. So you get to do that and I don't? Well, thanks. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Um, yeah, I have the lunchbox. You may ask. Um, you know, oh, that's funny. <laughs> I didn't even tell that story. You know, as a kid, I had a Space 1999 lunchbox. I didn't have a Star Trek lunchbox. I had a Welcome Back Cotter, I think, and I had Space 1999. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't even mention that on the on the yeah, show. So that's an exclusive UFO for crying out. Oh, I I never had a UFO, uh, but I did have the model kit, but which wasn't from UFO. The, the one right. that uh, AMT that put the, out that said UFO. Right. I love I love that. I love that. I, they should put that in Star Trek. The Leif Erikson. Yeah, they should put that in Star Trek. We were we were planning on putting the Leif Erikson in an episode of uh, uh, New Voyages, but we never got around to it. Can you put it in the a director's edition? I think Robert no. Wise would have loved it. No, he would not have. He, oh, okay. I, I had to try. Confidently say that no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, okay. Well, listen, thank you for, for sticking with us through all the third season. We'll be back next week with the season premiere of Inglorious Trexperts season four. Until then, keep on trekking, ingloriously, of course.
This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.